The All My Favorite People podcast is proudly sponsored by Peace Love T-Shirts. Go to peacelovet-shirt.com to see the entire All My Favorite People collection of shirts, hats, and bags. While you're there, check out the other collections from our collaborators like Healing and Hope, The Controversy, and Ink Happy. Go to peacelovet-shirt.com and use code FAVORITE for $5 off your first order. Hey friend, get ready to listen in on some long-form conversations and authentic stories with people who have decided to turn their mess into their mission and their past into their purpose. We'll talk on topics like faith, family, and entrepreneurship. Here we go. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the All My Favorite People podcast. My name is Brittany Jones, and I am super happy that you are here with me today. Today with me, I have author Shelby York. Hi, Shelby. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. I'm so glad to have you here. Shelby and I met very briefly through a Facebook page called Christian Wives, and she posed a question in there that got my attention. We're going to talk about that here in just a little bit. But first off, I just wanted Shelby to go ahead and just share a little bit about herself. Tell us a little bit about you, Shelby, where you're at, a little bit about your family, and then we'll jump right into our conversation. Okay. Yeah, I am Shelby York. I recently published a book. It's been a long coming dream of mine to be an author since I was little. Um, So this is super exciting for me to be sharing. Um, I'm from Ohio, like a small town in Ohio called Springfield. I live in Dayton slash Vandalia now with my husband and my two dogs. I am going to grad school right now, and I'm also a full-time employee, so it's kind of crazy right now. Um, recently married, so uh, I haven't, we haven't even hit our one-year anniversary yet, so we're just, you know, smooth sailing for right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's impressive. It is good. It is good. That's awesome. Yep. yep. Um, my life just kind of revolves around my family and, um, you know, my friends and we travel a lot and we love adventure. So, um, we try to keep that at like our, um, heart center. (laughs) I love that. Well, your book is called the simple truth and I just read it and really it's a testimony kind of like you had said to your life and what kind of, what God has really just brought you through and the journey that he's had you on. I read in there that one of your main passions in life is just leading others to, especially women, um, to find Jesus and to find out what he has in, in store for them and their purpose, which is right up my alley. That is totally what I'm all about. And when I connected with you in the group, I knew like, okay, I have to have her on. She is sharing some really just bold things. And so I'm really appreciative that, um, you, weren't scared and that you just did it and you moved forward and sharing some tough things. So let's jump a little bit into the book and I don't want to give away all the spoilers for people who are going to read it. Um, but let's talk a little bit about some of the things that you found, um, in there. Mm -hmm. One of the things that you mentioned was that you kind of grew up, um, maybe like playing around with like tarot cards and like Ouija boards. And it just was like, to you, it was just like kids fun. Mm -hmm. Um, But after creating a relationship with God and really coming to know him and what he's all about, um, you kind of moved from more of a 
I don't know, self-seeking, if you will, sort of lifestyle into one that you just wanted to honor God with your life. Tell us a little Mm -hmm. bit about like your upbringing, because I grew up in church and people who've watched the podcast um, to this point kind of know my story. I was like in ways very much opposite of you, where I grew up in a Christian home and I rebelled into some of those things. Mm -hmm. But your story is a little bit different. You grew up not necessarily in a Christian home and just were very inquisitive. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I, like you said, I did not grow up in a Christian home. We grew up talking about God. You know, we prayed with my great grandma and, um, but we didn't really go to church or anything like that. Anything I learned about God was from friends that were Christians or TV, you know, (laughs) shows, things like that. So, um, I definitely grew up hearing the language of church and the language of the Bible, but didn't really understand how it applied to me or if I could even be a part of that club. <laughs> was it just for the elite? You know, was it for the rich? Was it for the famous? I didn't know. So um, as I grew up um, and I got more de- de- uh, independence from my family, I was able to explore my curiosities with faith. Uh, Somewhere along the way, yes, I was introduced to somebody who really was into the occult practices and something about it just really attracted me to it. It's, it's, I know right now it's trendy to be considered like a witch and, you know, to be, um, I guess like otherworldly, I guess you can call that. It's definitely a trend. Um, so I don't know if it's necessarily a trend back, you know, when I was growing up, but something about it did attract me to that lifestyle. And I quickly fell head over heels for, you know, the tarot card readings and the Ouija boards. And I also had friends influencing me to go down those paths as well. So for a while, I was only focusing on that because I didn't have anybody to tell me otherwise that Jesus was the way I needed to look. He was the rock I needed to be standing on, not this like, well, honestly, just weird <laughs> lifestyle, um, dangerous lifestyle for sure. Yeah. Um, so that person that had been influencing me eventually left my life. And I was still kind of left with these beliefs that I had about, um, you know, Ouija boards and the afterlife and, and all these things that were so such defined hard lines in the Bible. Um, but at the same time, I was still trying to learn about the Bible and still praying and still talking to God not really understanding that the two couldn't marry. I couldn't be practicing tarot card reading and thinking that I'm talking to like dead people and also be totally um, heart centered on Jesus at the same time. So eventually when I was led to mentors and the right people and the right church, and I was able to distance myself from bad influences, um, I finally understood that this is not something I want to continue doing. And even though I did really enjoy it, um, or I thought I enjoyed it, um, I decided that Jesus was more important to me. The more I learned about God, the more I learned about faith, that started to displace the like, quote, feel good feelings that these occult practices gave me because the power and the love and the um, the grace of God just overpowered all this, um, artificial joy and excitement that I felt in those practices. Yeah. Because you talk about how really at the end of the day, like those things left you empty and they left Mm -hmm. you in relationships with people that weren't healthy, 
um, you do talk quite a bit about boys and boyfriends. Mm -hmm. And I actually really love that because I feel like, okay, I'm 38. How old are you, Shelby? I'm 25. Okay. So I lived the life you lived for a little Uh while myself. And um, it's for sure one of those things where the further away you kind of get from it and the farther down the road you get, whether that's age or just maturity, like to see those like just bad patterns and um, like lack of self-worth and maybe Mm -hmm. lack of self-confidence and relying on other people to validate you. Um, You and I, girl, we are like, we were in the (laughs) same boat. Um, So it's weird because it's like, you know, we're a decade away from one another plus. Mm -hmm. And yet as a young woman, so many of us find ourselves um, kind of in situations like that where we're with people because we think we love them, but Mm -hmm. it's temporary and it's surface level. Um, So tell us a little bit about the boyfriend, because here you are married and happy and I'm so happy for you. (laughs) So people just know that ahead of time. Okay. She's, she found true love and she's great now. (laughs) Okay. But there were some rough patches with, with guys. And I think, again, I think so many of us women, especially women who um, are learning about their identity in Christ, sometimes do fall into this trap of looking for that validation in other places. So tell us a little bit about that part of your story. Yeah. Um, well, you know, what you said about us being a decade apart and everything, I think it's, that's why it's so important to get in the Bible and learn about the women in the Bible, because they dealt with almost similar things that we deal with today. Yeah. And, you know, that's just like a blueprint of how we can move forward, handling the the situations and how to rely, how they relied on Jesus is the template of how we can rely on Jesus in every situation that we're in. So boys and boyfriends. Um, (laughs) So I dated a guy in high school for four years, all four years. And when college came around, the toxicity was so evident that it was just stifling to, uh, to be with him anymore. And we had had, I don't know, uh, 40 breakups (laughs) throughout the entirety of high school. Like it, it was nuts. It was just off and on all the time. It was very unstable, very unhealthy, harsh words. Um, there was physical abuse at some point in our relationship. And I learned that love meant always trying to one-up the other person and always trying to hurt the other person more than they hurt you. And then that's when you won. That's when you, uh, you succeeded in your relationship as when you have dominated the other person mm-hmm. and you've hurt them, like I said, as equally as they, has hurt, they have hurt you. Um, so when that relationship finally did end and it was like a three month breakup, it was like, yes, we were broken up, but we still went back to each other and like had conversations. Um, for some reason we would like unblock each other at the same time and start firing off hateful messages I, I honestly get a little like hot thinking about it just because like, I get so much anxiety. Like that was such a hard part in my life. Like I get chills. Like (laughs) I know that feeling. Yeah. yeah, Like like, you, you, you feel healed for sure, but thinking about it or reliving it or talking about it just makes you so grateful that you are in a different place now. 
Amen, um, girl. Amen. But, <laughs> <laughs> all, um, all of my freshman year, I, it was just sort of black to me. Like, I don't remember much of it. I felt like I was, um, just completely blacked out that entire like year, year and a half, because I was living with so much anxiety because we went to the same school, you know, so that didn't make any, <laughs> that didn't make anything, um, better. Cause I would see him in the hallways and it's like any progress that I made was just out the window. Like if I saw his face and we made eye contact, it was just done. Like I was immediately running back to my therapist office and trying to work through new trauma and all that stuff. So, um, at the beginning of college, we did finally split, stayed blocked on each other's phones. Um, but he was, he was a big reason why I had so such conflicting information about God was because he struggled with his faith as well. So he had, I believe family who were Christians. Um, but he went back and forth between saying he was an atheist and that he was a devout Christian. So one week he was atheist and he didn't want to hear any of my perspectives on faith. If, if I was trying to cultivate any faith at all, he would just like stomp it to the ground. And then the next week I would be like, okay, if I really love this guy, I should maybe fall in line with him. LOL. And, <laughs> and, um, so the next week I would be like, okay, fine. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not an atheist, but I'm not really gonna, you know, do this whole religion thing. But then he would be a devout Christian and he actually broke up with me because I wasn't Christian enough for him. And then the next week it was just like this on and on thing. Like mm. it, it was awful. So I got it in my head that I do believe God is sovereign and that he can do anything he wants in a single breath, but he's making my relationship crazy. Absolutely crazy. And I was like, I don't want anything. I just, I want to do life on my own. And so I went uh, about halfway, three quarters away through college, just thinking I could just do this on my own. Um, I was dating a lot, a lot, and wasn't inviting um, God on my date. So I was running into, you know, horrible guys, not all horrible, but um, we just weren't compatible in any light except the physical attraction <laughs> compatibility. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. Um, but I, at the same time, I was trying to find like my Prince Charming, even though I was dating all of these, you know, the peasants. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a cute way to put it. I like that. <laughs> You're kissing a lot of frogs, but you are not finding your prince. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, eventually I think it was, uh, beginning of junior year, I got saved by, uh, my pastor who, um, preached at a church right across from my apartment building and it, the church obviously had always been there. I had not always been there, but after about a year and a half, I was like, when did that church just like spring up? But it was always there. I just had never noticed it until I really, really needed it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think God had a plan for me to go to church. Like, yes, I should have always, you know, been going to church, but I think there was a time and a place for me to walk through those doors at, at, a time where I really, really needed to hear the message on that specific day. Mm. So after that, um, my dating life obviously didn't change right away, but I started to heal from my high school relationship trauma a lot differently than how I was trying to heal from it on my own, which was pretty much just like sleeping with a bunch of people until I forgot, you know, my name and his name. So <laughs> It was, there, just, girl. it was yes. yes, it was definitely a long journey. And I, I picked up a lot of bad habits, even though I was saved. Um, I still didn't know everything about Jesus. I still didn't know everything about myself as a Christian. 
woman. Um, so I did pick up some bad habits during my journey of faith. Um, but as I leaned closer into Jesus, he was like, girl, let me help you out. (laughs) So that's that's like it in a nutshell. (laughs) Yes. Oh, okay. Well then at least tell us about Johnny now so we can be excited that you did find true love. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, the beginning of senior year of college, um, I, that's when I really started to pray before and after my dates, not only praying for things like safety, um, and, you know, making sure that I was like texting my friends before my date. So they knew where I was going and all that stuff. Um, but I was also praying that God would help me find clarity, even on these first dates with the same person or multiple guys or whatever it was clarity that I could be able to see any red flags, um, way before I got invested in the relationship and not, I don't think anything's ever a waste of time. I would never say even my high school relationship being so long and drawn out is not a waste of my time because I wouldn't have learned what to look for in the right people, even in friendships. Yeah. I wouldn't have known what to look for. So nothing is ever a waste of time. Um, I took something, I took a lesson from every relationship I was in. Um, so when I finally started inviting God on my dates, I was able to go in with like a peaceful heart. I didn't feel rushed. I didn't feel like I had to lock this person down. Um, you know, even, even if he was super attractive, I was able to look deeper than the physical level and understand that, like, you know, maybe we're just not on the same page right now. He already said he doesn't want kids or, um, you know, he says he doesn't want to live in Ohio his whole life. And I don't necessarily, but I know like it's where my family is. So it's a, it was a big part. It was a big deciding factor. Yeah. So when I finally, the week I met Johnny, um, I went through a lot. Like I dated, I booked up my schedule with, with dates because I, it was fun. Like it was free food. Like who does not want free food? I'm a, I'm a Baroque college girl. I need that free Chipotle. Okay. I love it. So yeah. So dating was a way for me to get free meals and possibly, possibly meet my future husband. I love it, girl. Yes. <laughs> but that like meeting my future husband was like 2% of the reason I was dating. So um, real talk, week, real talk. everybody. Yes. <laughs> um, that week in particular, I had some rough dates. I, um, my ex-boyfriend from high school, plus two or three guys I dated in college were like raging alcoholics at the age of like 21, 22 years old. Um, and so one guy I dated that week, he was showing me videos of like how funny he is when he's drunk and all this stuff. Little did he know that that is the last thing I wanted in my life. Um, I love a glass of wine, but I, I went through my phase of binge drinking and feeling sorry for myself and purging and all that stuff. I, Jesus helped me up and out of that life. So, um, dating somebody who almost valued and thought it was something to be uh, proud of that, you know, he's so funny and like, he does all these quirky things when he's drunk. Like <laughs> it just wasn't for me. And so yeah. I did it, went on one date with a few guys like that. Um, and so Johnny was my first date. No, I'm sorry. My last date of that week. And I was like, I am done. D U N done. Um, I already told this guy I was going to go on a date with him. Um, I prayed, you know, I was, Oh, I was so sick as well. So I was like praying that I could just make it through this date without like healing over. And, um, when I got to the restaurant, he, I was vegetarian at the time. So he like picked this cute little vegetarian restaurant for me. Um, I was like, okay, okay. He's cute. I didn't, you know, his pictures were adorable, but he was so (laughs) much cuter in person. 
Um, and he was shy. He's like this tall, shy country boy. Um, and we were both shy. Like I was trying not to talk. So I was really sick. Um, and I was like, pretty sure that he wasn't going to understand me as a person because I was sick and I just didn't feel that good. Um, but we still had just some, you know, surface level conversations about life goals and, you know, past relationships and all that stuff. Um, and he did ask me on a second date. And when we went on that second date, it was like, all bets were off. Like we both felt better. We felt confident. Um, I think we had some time to think about, um, you know, how the first date went and all that stuff. And we, I mean, we just had so much fun and we finally got to see each other as like, we really are like how we naturally are just fun loving and, you know, poking fun at each other and all that stuff. Um, and it was just like history from there. We were inseparable after that second date. Um, and he's just, he literally, I can go back in all of my journals and see specific things that I was asking. Okay. So if I dated a guy, I would later pray. I really hope he's like this. And I hope I get to see this out of him. Like maybe he just hasn't shown me that side of him when that just wasn't the case for that person. It just wasn't in the cards for us to be compatible that way. Um, and so all these prayers that I prayed about my future husband, or even, you know, maybe just my future boyfriend, I would, I don't know if I was really thinking that far ahead. Um, I can look back and see all of those fulfilled in my husband now. Mm. And it's like, in my head, it's like God was taking notes of all. I mean, obviously like he has the, the perfect person in mind for us. He knows what we need and who that person is and when they're looking for us and when the right time is to bring us together. But I think he was also, you know, he, he considers the desires of our hearts. And I think he was taking notes of like, okay, well, she wants this. And like, she likes this and a guy and she, she likes when he does this. And that was like kind of all fulfilled in Johnny for me. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it was just like a wonderful, like full circle, you know, crappy relationship all the way, you know, back to a redeeming, um, a man with redeeming qualities and who finds redeeming qualities, uh, qualities in me, you know, I love that. <laughs> I love that you said he wants to give you the desires of your heart because that's exactly what I was thinking as you were saying that. Like, you know, we think of God sometimes as like big scary guy, but really he's like, Mm -hmm. he's our dad, you know? (laughs) And he loves us. We're his children and he wants to see us happy. And like Mm -hmm. you said, it seems kind of like silly to think, oh, God's taking notes on what I'm saying I want. But at the same time, he, he really like, he does. He knows exactly what you know, his mm-hmm. children need. And if that's, um, I don't think that's a silly thing to ask for. This is the person that, you know, yes. you're going to spend the rest of your life with. And, you know, yes. obviously we hear throughout scripture, God, um, kind of speaking about the church as his bride. And so like, it's not trivial. It's actually very important mm-hmm. to him. And so I love that he just provided that for you. Um, especially since, and I, again, we're kind of kindred spirits in this way. Like (laughs) I know for me, a big part of my growth as a Christian, um, has come from my husband being a godly man and willing to lead our family and, um, just kind of setting the standards and, and maybe I didn't have that standard before, but because my husband who I love and who I'm willing to submit to, um, has kind of set those in place, then that has helped me grow in areas that, you know, I, I probably wouldn't have otherwise. So I love Yeah. That. I, I dated, um, a guy for about two, two and a half years who was not a Christian. And in that two year period, I became a Christian. Hmm. And, um, so once we 
I don't know. We, I mean, we definitely didn't consolidate by any means. Um, I just told him, I was like, fine, I'll stop asking you to go to church with me. But in that time away from him, when I was at church and when I was Bible studying, I was becoming an entirely different person. And I was learning about um, women submitting to their husbands. And I was like, this is not the, while I love him. And even to this day, I hope the best for him. Um, this is not a man that God would encourage me to submit to because he isn't one. He's not Christian. So we're not even equally yoked. Our yokes right. are like on different planets. Um, <laughs> so it, it, it just taught me, um, finding Johnny and our faith ebbs and flows. Um, even if you're single, it is going to ebb and flow. So when he is strong, I'm not. And when I'm strong, you know, he's not. And then on this, on these beautiful, not rare occasions by any means, but on these beautiful moments where our faith lines up, it just makes that period of waiting so much worth it, so much more worth it. Um, and trusting God with your love story is the best thing that we could possibly do for our entire futures. Yes. I cannot agree more. Well, we're going to jump around a little bit because Mm -hmm. I I wanted people to hear about Johnny right off the bat. So they knew (laughs) that, you know, you're in a good place Mm -hmm. these days. Um, in regards to that, (laughs) God loves a good love story. (laughs) Um, tell us a little bit about, well, before I say that, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell them Shelby, about the thing that you posted in the group. Okay. Are okay. You yes, okay. Yes. Go okay. ahead. I love so, talking about it. Honestly. <laughs> so if you guys watched my episode with um, Rolanda de Yeshua, we ended up talking about, we started talking about just, um, just mental health and uh, some of the things we're seeing in the culture right now, because he's a youth pastor, but we kind of landed on the conversation of pornography. And so believe it or not, that's how Shelby and I connected. Um, in that episode, <laughs> I should, yeah, in that episode, I shared with you guys that it's something that, um, ha- has been a struggle for me since I was 15 years old and exposed to it for the first time. And, um, while I, I'm happy to report and let me just sh- share this, <laughs> that, um, since that episode, I actually have an accountability partner now. Um, she and I, she's a little bit older than me, but she and I are in very similar places where we want God to just take that burden from us. Um, and yet, you know, even in the last, I would say like six months since I've had this accountability partner, there have been times where we've had to go to one another and say, you know, I messed up and, um, and just offer one another grace and forgiveness for that. And, But I'll tell you, it's been so helpful to know, one, that I'm not the only one that struggles with this as a Christian woman, because it is very much of a taboo subject still. And um, it feels nice to know that you're not alone. And it's also great to have somebody who you can just be 100% truthful with and honest with, who you can say, like, I messed up. And they're not going to condemn you. They're going to still love you as their sister in Christ, but also spur you on and encourage you to be better. So Shelby posed this question in the Christian wives group about people struggling, women struggling with pornography. And I think you were surprised or were you surprised by the response? I was really surprised. Um, My question was, I don't remember like the specific question. I, I I remember I was writing this chapter in my book and the enemy was whispering in my ear, telling me how embarrassing is it that you're going to tell the world that you struggle with pornography when Jesus was 
so, so aware of this struggle that I was having and was helping me through it. And yet I, it, the enemy will convince you that it's your, what these insecurities are really coming from within yourself when had he not put them there, they probably wouldn't have really come up. And not saying I wasn't nervous about sharing this in my book. I definitely was. I mean, this book is in the hands of my friends and family. Yeah. And I, I str- a lot of the battles um, that I struggled with, I struggled with silently. So uh, bringing these up or bringing light to these, these issues was bringing up a lot of insecurities within myself. And I just, I was asking the group, like, does anybody just feel like utter shame about these things? Because I don't want to feel shame especially when my testimony can help somebody up and out of that, or at least giving it, like put it at the cross. Um, and I was incredibly surprised that everybody was like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Still struggle. Um, or, you know, there, there was less people, um, saying that or telling me that they were healed from it. Then there were like, yeah, I'm still struggling with it. You know, like there was maybe a handful of people who were like, yeah, Jesus saved me. Thank you, Lord. Um, but most people were like, yeah, I'm still in the thick of it. And it, it's just, it was really crazy. I love talking about hard stuff. I'm that person that's like, you know, you want to talk about porn with me, like over coffee? <laughs> Girl, you need to start a podcast. That's what I I'm do, doing over here. Yes. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was an overwhelming response of, um, I think just love, like, and honesty. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I loved that you broached the subject because especially in a group like that of thousands and thousands of Christian mm-hmm. women, um, it's, it's not something that we're talking about and it is something that we're struggling with. So I love that you have the boldness and the, um, just like in your mind to you, it was like, well, the enemy's trying to tell me something. I'm going to combat that with some truth. And the truth, one, of course, is God's word, right? But also just that feeling of community and knowing you're not alone, I think is so, so helpful. Mm -hmm. Even just knowing that you need to go to God, just acknowledging, like if you're, if your head is swirling around with all these insecurities and shame and guilt that you, that you feel, um, or really it's kind of, there's an all over body feeling. You just feel weighed down week when the enemy is trying to convince you to not do something that God has called you into doing, um, just stop like pausing and being like, I got to take this to God automatically brings so much relief. It sends the enemy running or at least backing up because he knows what's about to happen. Um, so that on top of the support from that community was monumental to me finishing that chapter, let alone the entire book. So (laughs) yeah, I loved it. Thank you for just being Mm -hmm. honest and sharing that boldly. I think a lot of women are going to um, find healing in just Mm -hmm. being able to see your story and kind of your struggle through that. You know, you just mentioned just, you know, taking things to God automatically. I've really been practicing that in the last several years and have gotten, I mean, of course we all have our hard days, but just gotten better because it's one of those, like, it's like a muscle that you practice Mm -hmm. doing it and it becomes easier and easier each time. Um, One of the other things that you mentioned in the book, and I do want to talk a little bit about your mentors, but Mm -hmm. one of the other things that you talk a little bit about is um, just your struggle with like eating and body conscious, like all of that. Um, I, like you said, who doesn't love a free meal and I am a foodie. (laughs) So I feel you on so many levels. Um, but it can become 
just like the whole like body positivity and like just the obsession with our bodies as women. Um, Talk to us a little bit about that and kind of share that piece too, because I thought that was really Mm -hmm. powerful. Yeah. So this is a a battle that was lasted about five to six years, but I would say more than that, because in the book, I talk about how I was raised with a lot of women talking about Weight Watchers and low carb breads and, you know, extreme exercise. They were very, the women in my family, I mean, like as close as my mom um, are very, I wouldn't even say health conscious. I would just say body, uh, like physical conscious, you know, Mm -hmm. they're very, um, concerned with their weight, um, muscle definition, (laughs) all that stuff. But it it never had, it never stemmed from a place of, I just want to be healthy. It was just always like, I need to look my best. I need to look better than her. Um, you know, that kind of thing. So I grew up really, putting emphasis on the fact that if I wasn't skinny, I wasn't ever going to be good enough. And I was never going to be noticed. Um, my mom has a very, uh, not prestigious job, but it's very taxing. She's around people all the time. She's around important people all the time. So in my head, seeing her fuss over her weight meant that if I wanted to be anybody, I also needed to fuss over my weight. And as I got older, this led into me uh, developing a really bad relationship with food and labeling those good, good foods and bad foods, um, or, you know, horrible foods and, um, grass basically. (laughs) (laughs) So there's either like cake or there's grass and there's no in between. (laughs) I love it. There is no in between. So, um, I, I say it was about a five or six year battle because it really, it really got tough and dark in college. And it usually does for people um, because we're living off of these meal plans and we're living from this cafeteria that has pizza, you know, salads, but the salads are the same thing every single day. And there's, you know, bakeries available. And then, you know, God forbid you're in a sorority because we eat all the time, all the time. Like our life revolves around food and t-shirts. So (laughs) So, um, just, you know, and then I was dating, I was like going through this really vicious cycle of excitement and heartbreak. Um, and so that wasn't a good combination either. So I developed a binge eating disorder and I didn't understand that I could get help for it. Um, because I wasn't obese, but I also wasn't anorexic. Um, so I was kind of in the middle of those two eating disorders. Um, I would go through periods of starving myself, periods of vicious binge eating. Um, and it just caused my weight to fluctuate like crazy, but never in a good direction. Um, my mental health suffered, suffered for it and my hormones. And I'm still, um, untangling the mess that I made of my Mm. hormones from, uh, years and years of uh, eating disorder. So, um, once I became a Christian, I was slowly starting to understand that I could talk to Jesus about anything. Um, but I never thought that he would care about my diet or like my weight loss goals or anything like that. Eventually I did go through, um, like a period where I would be so disgusted with myself and so upset that I got myself into this cycle, um, that, I would lay awake at night and pray that I was in anybody's body except my own. Mm. Even if it meant that God took me away from my family and put me somewhere else, like reincarnation style. I didn't care. I, I couldn't handle the constant disappointment of like starting another diet, 
not being able to complete it because it was so restrictive. But in my head, I, I never had those, um, the vocabulary to understand that like diets don't work unless they work specifically for you. Like if keto works for you and it makes you feel the best and it helps you carry out the mission of God that, you know, your calling that he has for you yeah. do that. But I was coming at it at a completely different angle. I wanted it for vanity. I want to show people that bullied me in high school that I, you know, eventually lost weight and I look I'm better hot. than they do. I'm hot. Yes, <laughs> I'm exactly. Hot. <laughs> exactly. I wanted to be that like before and after, you know, that people were just like, whoa, look at her now type thing. Um, and I, I, even in the book, I say like, I don't really even have like a conclusion to all that. Um, it was my own personal battle that I had to work through and um, triumph over with the help of God, lots of prayer, therapy, and a nutritionist, two nutritionists actually. Um, so it, it was like a, a literally a five or six year process of me, one, just identifying what I needed help with taking that to the foot of the cross and saying that this is actually a struggle. So my prayers changed from God, please just like, wait, like wake me up skinny. Um, just wake me up. Awesome. Uh, oh, I know. I know. And I was like, <laughs> I know you can do it. I've seen it. I believe. <laughs> I believe like I, if you can move a mountain, I know yeah. you can wake me up with abs. Like I yeah. know it's possible. <laughs> you can take this little tire. I <laughs> exactly. got going. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So um, uh, my prayers changed from, you know, that realm to God, I am seriously struggling with this. I can't even be a functioning human being with this burden on me. I don't, I don't know where to start. I don't know where to go. And eventually he led me to the right people, um, to help me work through all of that. I was in therapy for about three or four years, mostly because of the breakup from high school, just healing over all that. But we did talk a lot about body image. And so that was sort of, um, that laid the groundwork for me understanding that like, I am still a human being and nobody on this planet is defined by the numbers on their scale ever. It's a st uh, not a statistic. It's, um, it's something that we can use like a diagnostic tool. Like, are you happy with this number? Yes, no, let's figure out what we can do to, um, you know, make you happier with that number. And, you know, whether it's diet or exercise, whether it's just changing a little bit of your you know routine or anything like that, but it never should be at the core of who you are is I am fat. Like I am statements were not stated like that in the Bible. They were, I am worthy. I am saved. I am forgiven. I am redeemed. So on and so forth. It's never, I am fat. I am um, you know, I don't know, chubby, whatever it is. Yeah. And so when I, I started shifting my perspective to biblical thinking, and that's when I really started to accept myself as I am in this moment, I sure you can have goals like recovering from a binge eating disorder, any eating disorder doesn't mean you can't have goals for your body or your mental health or whatever it is. It just means that you move forward, understanding that God still looks at you like this worthy, loved and adored child, no matter what your weight is, because you're not taking this weight to heaven. <laughs> You're yeah. leaving this body here. Um, and you don't want to spend your, your time on earth being cruel to yourself because you, God would never treat you the way you're treating yourself. Yeah. And that's what really started to change my, my mindset. I love that girl. Just like focusing on biblical thinking. Cause you're right. Yeah. You're exactly right. You know, um, I actually did keto. I lost 40 ish pounds mm -hmm. doing Good, it. Yeah. 
um, I've gained most of that back because it was years (laughs) ago. Um, But what that experience taught me was very similar to what you're saying in that, like, what is my why? Why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. For me, it was partially um, similar to you in having a mom who was very focused on looking the part all the time and expected that from us as her daughters. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was also like, I did get to a place where I was not happy with that number. Right. So like you said, what can, what can change Um, for me? You know, I had, hadn't really done like all the diets and things like that. Um, I had mostly just kind of relegated to the fact that like, this is my size and I've had kids and like, if nobody likes it, but my husband, that's all that matters, you know, don't look my direction then. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, there was this inner unhappiness with that also. Um, And again, I had to go back to my why. And for me, it became, um, I want to be healthy so that like, I'm around for my kids for a really long time. And my husband, Mm -hmm. you know, like, it shouldn't be a vain you know, um, pursuit, if you will, Mm -hmm. it really should be about being, like you said, being healthy. Um, and like, I love that you said, don't be cruel to yourself. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's so good because you're right. God wouldn't, God wouldn't treat us that way. So why are we treating Mm -hmm. ourselves that way? The all my favorite people podcast is proudly sponsored by peace, love t-shirts. Go to peacelovetshirt.com to see the entire All My Favorite People collection of shirts, hats, and bags. While you're there, check out the other collections from our collaborators like Healing and Hope, The Controversy, and Ink Happy. Go to peacelovetshirt.com and use code FAVORITE for $5 off your first order. Understanding what God says about you in the Bible and focusing on that, even using, I love using scripture as affirmation. So whatever Jesus says about me, even those I am statements that he says about himself, you can use those as affirmations um, that you wake up every day and you repeat something in your head. I'm a huge fan of memorizing scripture, even though like I have the worst memory ever. Um, (laughs) But, but yeah, I love that. I do that too. And I, and that is one of those things about like hiding his word in your heart, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, it appears in those moments when you need it most in your mind. And sometimes God can just bring those to your heart and your mind. Um, so that, like you said, you can kind of press through your day and knowing the truth. I think Mm -hmm. so much of what we deal with as women, um, in relation to insecurities is not having a firm grasp on our biblical identity in Christ, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's a huge game changer when you realize like he loves you just the way you are. And another thing that I have to remind myself is like, we're all as filthy rags to, in comparison to Jesus. So mm-hmm. I could be a size zero, six feet tall on the cover of a magazine. And if my heart is not centered to Christ, that's for nothing. Like none of that matters. Um, yeah. I was just about to say that um, scripture says that we need to focus. Like Jesus looks at our heart at the quality and the condition of our heart. And so you can be a size zero and be the cruelest person to other people and not know Jesus. And the only thing that saves us at the end of the day is knowing and accepting Jesus and the rest he's going to help us with. Um, You know, if we accept Christ and we still struggle with pornography or we're still struggling with binge drinking or whatever it is, like we just have to declare it. And then he's going to help. He's going to send the Holy spirit and 
help us along along the way and fix our heart condition. But no matter what size you are, if you're a crappy person, you are a crappy person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you need you no need matter. to look at the con- yeah, yeah, no matter what size you are, you need to yeah. look at the condition of your heart and yeah. fix yourself from the inside out. <laughs> yeah. So true. And I love how you can be kind of on a journey and learning it as you go. Like mm-hmm. there, like you said, you're going to still struggle. There's going to be things that are, don't just go away right away. But the more you dig into scripture, the more you dig into his word, the more you have a firm grasp of who he made you to be and um, who he made all of us to be as his kids, mm-hmm. the, the yeah. firmer the grasp on that, I think the less you focus on kind of these external things that at the end of the day don't really matter. Yeah. The things that don't go away right away when you accept Jesus, you know, you walk out of your church and you're like, I think things should like feel different. No. Yes. (laughs) Um, But the things that don't change overnight, just because you accepted Jesus um, as your savior, that becomes your testimony. That becomes the fabric of your testimony. So like, you know, there were a lot of nights that I prayed that Jesus would heal me from this pornography addiction. And it didn't happen overnight. It was small steps, um, you know, steps that I when I decided to pray or Bible study, instead of going to bed, knowing that I was going to pull up those forbidden websites, like those were small decisions that I made of putting Jesus in my line of sight, rather than this uh, like fascination, um, rather than these like fleshly desires. I chose Jesus over that. And it wasn't an overnight thing, no matter what you're struggling with, it's not going to be an overnight thing. Yeah. But then you get to share about it (laughs) that you, when you, when you do overcome it. (laughs) Yes. And give God all the glory. Yes. Yep. So tell us how you go from being a insecure, unhappy in your relationships. <laughs> and then you found this little church that like you, I love that you said it just popped up overnight. It's no, just, it had been there did forever. There? <laughs> it just wasn't on your radar. Yeah. But um, tell us about, tell me the name of the woman that helped you. Was it Deborah or Debbie or? Yeah, it was Debbie. De- okay. Miss mm-hmm. Debbie. Tell us about Miss Debbie. And about like just the mentor um, and the uh, kind of counseling relationships that you had, because I know that Mm -hmm. those, you know, from the book, I I realized that those are really near and dear to your heart Mm -hmm. and that these ladies really um, kind of helped mold you, if you will. And and I'm assuming someone taught you journaling along the way too. So tell us a little bit about Mm -hmm. all that. Yeah. So um, these women at this new church of mine, including Debbie, Um, in my past, I, in my, okay. So from my past, I had all these ideas that like, you had to pray a certain way. You had to look a certain way to be a Christian and you had to live your life a certain way. And like, while that is true, um, they didn't, no one ever helped me understand the basics. No one prayed with me. Nobody told me that it's all a learning process and it's okay to be, to make mistakes sometimes. And I think that's what always stopped me from being a Christian from dedicating my life to Christ is because I always thought I had to go to God in this perfect condition where I like, I, I told myself I needed to work on myself before I introduced myself to God. And these ladies were the complete contradiction of everything I'd ever learned about, um, God from other people that now there were things that I learned about God from God, what, you know, him answering my prayers, even though they were like tear soaked prayers. (laughs) And I didn't really know, um, you know, like how to structure my prayer, even how to talk to God. I was definitely talking to God as like a, like a Pope, (laughs) instead of just being like myself, I was just like, Oh, Holy God. 
and I don't talk like that. You know what I mean? (laughs) I just, I was using these really like proper words, like words I do not use ever. And it's just not me. So I wasn't really being like, Oh, like authentic. Yeah. Um, and so these women really taught me that you can just show up in like your PJs and your coffee. And even if you haven't brushed your teeth yet, like God is still so excited to talk to you in the morning and, or whenever, you know, whenever you wake up, but, (laughs) um, he's so excited to to get to know you on, like, of course he knows everything about you, but there's just something more intimate about being open with him about your struggles. And he, he has dominion and sovereignty over so many things. And he will, he does have his plan always comes to fruition, but there are things he's just waiting for you to come to him about. And that was the case for me for a lot of, (laughs) a lot of things. Um, but Debbie, it just, she came up to me, it was her and her husband who run this church. And she walked up to me and she just had this like glowy smile. And she, I love people who just like grab your hand, you know, like there's some people I'm just like, don't touch me. But other, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you can just tell like when someone is just like, so pure hearted and um, they just want to know, like they want you to know, like physically that they're here for you and they see you. And that's that feeling that I got from her. And so I was a sophomore in college, I I think around sophomore year. And I really just wanted some donuts. Um, and I knew there were free donuts in church. So, (laughs) um, so I went calls again, the The food food. was calling me. (laughs) It's a a great theme that we're weaving throughout this. Yes. I love it. Calling of the calories. (laughs) Um, yes. So I grabbed my donuts and I sat kind of in the back and, um, uh, a band was playing and this wasn't normally the case for this church. They had like quote adopted these like college students and they would bring them in and they would allow these students to preach every once in a while to kind of learn how to do it in their own church. So the, my church was not their home church. They were here like visiting type thing. I don't really know. It was kind of like a mentorship, I think. So I remember like sitting in the chair and being like, I just really wanted to hear God's word today. Like I did not want to listen to music. And this was before that, before I realized that I really loved worship music, worship music now is a huge part of how I communicate with God and how I feel his presence. And it, it, at the beginning, it just wasn't like that. I didn't know that that was possible. Um, so (laughs) there, like I said, there's always a reason why God leads us to certain things at a certain time. And in this case, these musicians were singing about things that I had dealt with literally the day before, anywhere yeah. from insecurities, friend like bad friendships, um, broken hearts, feeling lost, not understanding my purpose in life. It was like this playlist that was like, Shelby, this is for you. You know, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's awesome. why it was calling to me. Um, so after that day, I was completely addicted to going to church. I went to church every single day. I was like, why is it only on Sundays? I need it every single day. I felt so fulfilled and alive and just finally understood and seen in the place that I was in my life. Um, it's not like the Bible was just downloaded into my brain and I knew everything about God and Jesus and my purpose in life. It didn't happen like that. Again, like that all becomes a part of your testimony as you get exposed to those things and God leads you to certain chapters of your life and you learn lessons and all that stuff. Um, but Debbie was so patient with me and I would often have dinner at her house and she would just talk to me like, you know, like she just wanted to hear my story. She wanted to know why I came to church that day. Like what drew me to church that day? 
And she wanted to know about my family. Did I grow up in church? Um, how did I feel about God now? And of course, I was always crying, always crying because I was talking about my breakup that I was in therapy for. So obviously I was crying in therapy, but, <laughs> but um, she just really cared and she didn't have like an ulterior motive. She was a biased party who just wanted to know how I was doing. Like, are you okay? What's wrong if you're not okay? You know, and yeah. she, she didn't have like, she didn't want to tell anybody my, my business. She wasn't going to go gossip or anything like that. It was just very heartwarming and trusting. And it was the first time I'd really felt that in a church before, um, from a church leader. Um, and I just had, uh, tea with her like two days ago or something. And so we caught up and, and all that because of COVID she has um, some health issues. So had to distance myself, but I finally got to see her. And it, it's just like the first time that, you know, we'd had that conversation um, I love talking to her and, uh, she actually, um, I think it was like in the summer, my sophomore year, um, she took me out to her patio and we talked a little bit and she said, do you want to know Jesus? Like, do you want to accept Jesus into your heart tonight? And I was like, right now, like that's, I can do that right now. I don't have to like go to school or anything, <laughs> but I was like, absolutely. I do. Like, I've been waiting so long for this moment to, to know how to do that. Cause like I was praying, but never truly declared, um, Jesus as my Lord and savior. And so that's like the piece I was missing to really set me off on this journey. And she just grabbed my hand and prayed with me right there. Um, and it was just, she's just such a, she baptized me and everything. And she's just a huge, huge part of my, of my testimony. I love that. I love that you got Mm -hmm. to see her just a few days ago too. Yes. So proud of you for your book. Yes. She was like, she said it was like, um, when her husband came home, she was like, I just interviewed her. Like she was on TV or something. Like I asked her about her book. I asked her about her family and her husband. And it's been a long time since I've seen her. Um, we talk, um, sometimes on social media, but we, it, it like face to face, it had been a while. So she just wanted to to know what was going on in my life and everything. And it's like, do you understand, um, what a big part you've had in, in my entire, like the trajectory of my entire life, you know, like that is all thanks to well, one God leading me to her, but then her to take that initiative and to take me under her wing. But, I love yeah. it. <laughs> I love that. We talked on the last episode very briefly about just like, never underestimate the power of planting a seed or being oh, yeah. like the first person to say something to someone that maybe they hadn't considered before. And I think that's so true. And I think it's, I love that that's part of your story because I think sometimes, especially those of us who have like grown up in church and just like, we were used to it. We've heard it. We've heard the Lord's mm-hmm. prayer. We've heard all the different ways to come like to Christ. Um, we've heard yeah. all the altar calls and all the worship songs. <laughs> I think we forget that there are people who are still very much searching and longing for that relationship. And unless we have the boldness and the compassion to reach out and kind of be that person to someone else, like that person could go longer in their journey of looking for Christ when we could have stepped in and been kind of that seed planter. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I I said in my book that even like, even the prayers that I, you know, silently said with my great grandma when I was, you know, seven, eight years old, even going to church once or twice with a couple of my friends, even though like, I just wanted to hang out with my friends. It wasn't really about church. Um, you know, those little isolated moments where I was praying with my family or, um, I was talking to God or I'm sorry, talking to my friends about God, even if I didn't understand like what they were saying at all. 
um, that was, that did plant the seed. And she, Debbie, I think really helped me uncover that that was even there in the first place. Um, and I mean, like now I can look back and know it was there because before I met Debbie, um, I, I was still praying like through my breakup. I didn't have anybody to lean on except God. Like I was, I don't know you. You probably don't know me, you know, like little did I know. Um, <laughs> um, but this is what I'm going through. I don't know, like if I'm saying this right, if you can do anything for me, but like, I don't have anything else to give. I don't have anywhere else to go. And um, I think it was Psalm 34, 18 is what really led me to wanting to know more about God in the first place. Um, and that's what really got me through my breakup. And so, you know, eventually I saw that church just miraculously pop up on the street corner. <laughs> but, that's awesome. Well, I love that. As we kind of wrap this up for this morning, um, let's kind of dive into your one last little piece in the book that you talk about quite a bit, which is just friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we just talked about how people in your life planted the seeds Um, even if you weren't like, Hey, they're planting seeds about Christianity, (laughs) like you're none the wiser, but they are, you actually had somewhat of an opposite experience when you got to college and we're kind of like creating your friend group. Um, and I'd love to just hear kind of where you're at now. I know the book is fresh, so I literally Mm -hmm. read it. Like this is, she's got stuff about like COVID in there. So like, I do. Yeah. Fresh, right. (laughs) Like hot off the press. It's a newborn baby. Yes, it is. (laughs) Um, but tell us a little bit about kind of, because I think especially women your age, um, and again, I'm, I feel old when I say that, but, um, (laughs) I think there is something to be said for, um, just like, I love the idea of like our iron sharpens iron. Like I love the idea of women supporting women, especially Mm -hmm. within the Christian community. Like you need that, you need people to come alongside of you and, um, help you navigate your relationship with Jesus. And that way you guys can do it together. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so tell us a little bit about friendships, um, and how you've kind of managed to move from some toxic friendships into something that's just more beneficial for you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've always been really big on community. My family is very close knit. And so I look for that, um, similarity in my friendships. I really want loyal people. I want people I can trust. I want people I can just show up at their doorstep and be like, I'm going through a breakup. Here's some Cheetos and Ben and Jerry's. Like, can I just sit on your couch and cry? Um, Hopefully (laughs) you never have to have that conversation ever. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I, um, like that's, I, my cousins and I grew up like best friends, like sisters. And so they were sort of like my first exposure to friends. And so having them as a model to seek new friendships in life was huge for me. Um, and when I got to college, I, like I said, I was dating a lot. Um, so I wasn't feeling very fulfilled in my dating life. And so I would kind of just gravitate to any person as a friend. And I'm never saying that it's bad to be like, Oh, she doesn't look like the kind of person I want to be friends with. So I'm not going to be friends with her. Like we can be friends with people on different levels. Like there are people I would say that I hit a dead body and I need you to help me, you know, like covered up, whatever. And there are people that I'd be like, I didn't do anything this weekend. Definitely did not kill somebody. <laughs> like <laughs> there's just like, <laughs> there's just like different levels of trust. Sure. Um, and it doesn't make the friendship any less valid or anything like that. Like there's just, you know, there's different layers of myself that I want to be able to share. And that I just don't really feel like sharing with everybody. Um, so in high school, I'm sorry, in college, I didn't 
really have any friends. I had a sorority group, but you know, sorority can be filled with drama. Um, you do gravitate to a few people and you like this huge group of 50. Um, but I just didn't really feel like I had any best friends. And so I think around uh, sophomore, junior year, I met a girl who introduced me to like, I don't know, like 10 or 12 new female friends. Um, and I was so happy to be, I prayed over these friends. Like I was like, God, this makes so much sense. Like, thank you for bringing me to these women. And thank you, you know, for finally bringing me friends that I can trust and rely on and all that stuff. Um, and again, I'll say it over and over, <laughs> nothing ever happens outside of God's plan. Like there's always a reason that we meet certain people and we go through certain things. Yeah. Um, these friends were very enthusiastic about binge drinking, like every single weekend and gossip was huge. I hadn't really run into issues with gossip in my friendships before these, uh, that particular group of friends. Um, but they kind of like taught me how to gossip. Well, they taught me how to hide gossip from people. Um, how, like what it feels like, it's kind of a thrill, like a rush to turn around and like tell everybody and their mother about something that someone just confided in you. Um, and it, it just, I mean, it's really hard to like talk about honestly, because it's such a like, uh, something I'm just not proud of that I became good at gossiping. Like of all the things to be on this planet, why would you be good at gossiping? Um, the Bible says so much about the dangers and toxicity and warnings of gossip in your friendships. And I just, I was just so happy to be a part of like a tribe that I would overlook any red flag. And so my best friend that I met in class, um, we eventually were going like head to head. Like we had a, a mutual friend. She would talk, uh, my best friend would talk to her about me. And then I would go and talk to that girl about my best friend. And then this girl, poor girl was stuck in the middle of like, I don't know what to do. Do they hate each other? Do they love each other? I don't really like being a part of this, like whatever. Um, and then eventually I, she, I just want to say, you just reminded me of that scene in mean girls where they're yeah. like three oh, yeah, calling each like. other. And she's like, yes, she yes. Just said, da, 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 da. And they're like, Oh, exactly. she's there. Like that's yes. a picture that just like came up in my mind. Yes. That's exactly what my life was for like a year oh my and a half. Gosh. No. <laughs> um, yeah, but like, I was so convinced that gossip was such an integral part of making good lasting friendships. I'm writing a book about gossip. Like now that's my next thing coming, um, out into the world because I, I never in a million years realized that gossip would be so devastating to friendships and really just relationships. Like when Johnny and I were dating, um, we had a group of friends, it was his group of friends and he never really saw the toxicity in them, like in that, in those friendships until I came. And, um, you know, some of them didn't like me. Some of them, you know, thought I was like too talkative or like too hyper, you know, too excited, whatever. Um, so we had some issues with friends and gossip and it affected our relationship because it all, it all spills over. There's nothing that gossip does not touch. It, even if you think it's just between you and another person, you don't really, unless you like in your heart of hearts, know that you can trust them. And they have like proven yourself. Like I have a best friend since high school. I know I can trust her with absolutely anything because we have been through thick and thin. Right. Um, you know, and it just really taught me to be careful about who I choose as friends, because just like a man, just like a husband, like God has plans for our friendships. And he wants us to have friendships like Jesus had. Jesus had good, sturdy friendships that he could trust. Like if he told John or Paul to go preach there, 
he would go do it and he would trust Jesus would trust that he would go do that and say what he told him to say. Yeah. Um, so the hardest part is not even dealing with toxic friendship. The hardest part is distancing yourself from those. And it seems so easy. It seems, you know, easy as blocking a number and locking your door and like whatever, deleting them on social media. But the hardest part is when you are a Christian and you have so much compassion for people and you see that a lot of the times gossip and toxicity comes from their hurts, not your own, has nothing to do with you. Them saying, you know, horrible things about you behind your back has nothing to do with you at all. It has to do with what they've experienced in their life. Um, just having a heart for them, for those people, makes it more difficult to be like, bye, good luck, you know, cause like you want to help them. Um, but sometimes you just can't, sometimes Jesus is just cut out for that work Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. he's the one cut out for that work. I mean, you don't, re- you don't have to carry other people's burdens if it's really affecting your mental health and your relationships with others and your faith, especially. Yeah. Um, so you know, along with distancing myself from the, that crowd of women, um, more gossip and rumors were spreading because if you do, you know, God forbid that you do what's best for yourself, that just doesn't sit right with people sometimes. <laughs> if um, yeah. if you tell somebody even in the kindest way that, hey, this r- friendship isn't working for me, I want you to eat, just not at my table, yada, yada. Um, that just doesn't sit right with people. You, you would think that you just insulted their ancestors. Like it's a whole thing. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I went through a long season of solitude once I uh, distanced myself from those friends, but God is so faithful to bring good godly women into our lives. If we ask them and if we know, Hey, I think that's actually what I needed. I just didn't know I needed it before. And I love the saying, if you don't stand for something, you fall for anything. And so having those standards in your friendships um, for yourself in those friendships and standards for other people that you become friends with is huge, especially to the health of your faith. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I actually started this whole journey started from a prayer between me Mm -hmm. and God of me saying like, I'm lonely and I need friends who are going to, that believe what I believe that are going to come beside me and spur me on to be the best version of myself, but do that through the context of the Bible and not just Mm -hmm. like worldly success or things like that. Um, the other little quote that I see all the time too, is something along the lines of like, you can't make, there can't be a place for that new friend who's going Mm -hmm. to be that positive person in your life. If you haven't kind of cut out a space for them by removing these people in your life that are toxic, you know? Yeah. I Um, completely agree with that. I, um, even after I distanced myself from those friends, I was still holding on to the habits that they taught me. And I'm not saying it was like, oh, their fault. Like, oh, they like bewitched me. And like, I just became this horrible person. Like it was a choice to constantly gossip and to fall in line with them and to to go out drinking every weekend. Like that was a choice I made. Um, But being like, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, shoot. Um, (laughs) Totally like lost my train of thought. Oh, I remember. I'm sorry. Um, the, The habits that I picked up, like I said, from those friendships, I carried over into new friendships. And so I had to learn like, there's a reason why I'm not friends with those people anymore. There's a reason it didn't work out. So why, um, keep going in this cycle of like, if gossip didn't work, then if, um, like talking unkindly to people didn't work, then why would it work now? And so I kind of had to unlearn all these things that I, you know, took from those friendships and 
you know, it, it's, it's a hard journey for sure. It's very humbling. Yeah. Um, God has a lot to say about it, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I think you mentioned at the beginning of your book that you're an Enneagram six. Is that I right? Am. Okay. Lowest, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know much about number six, but I'm a two. And so I'm a helper. Okay. And so like, I used to be the girl that would like befriend people because like I can, I can rescue you. Like I can yeah. save you and help you and like be your knight in shining armor. <laughs> and I had to learn, you know, years and years down the road that like one, I'm not going to change anybody, right? Like if this person is toxic and has, um, is sucking the life out of me, as far as a friendship is concerned, like there's really no remedy to that, that I can, there's nothing that I can do to remedy that other yeah. than choose a new friend. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And that, it's hard because, you know, friendships to me, like my friendships have caused, I guess, I guess I should say my friendship breakups have caused almost more emotional damage, if you will, mm-hmm. than even like boyfriends and stuff, because these were people that I did life with, that I trusted, that I loved so, so much, like yeah. memories and, you know, we raised kids together and just different things. And it's heartbreaking actually to walk away from those. Um, but I think it was even on the Christian wives page, somebody posted something about like, have you guys lost friends this last year for kind of speaking yeah. your truth or having an opinion that people don't like? I'm like, heck yes, I have. And, yeah. and I have to protect my own peace in the sense that like, God didn't call me to like save anyone or be everyone's best friend. He called me to speak the truth, period, end of sentence. And the people that come into my life um, after that, if you will, are people that I know that can han- handle me, <laughs> can yeah, hang with yeah. me. And, and I'm just trying to be the authentic person that Jesus created me to be. So Mm -hmm. if we were friends before and I wasn't living that out, I'm actually a vastly different person today than I was even three to five years ago. And Uh, we're not compatible anymore as friends. You know, I relate to that so hard. I, I realized that it was like a self-reflective moment for me where I was like, I met these friends because I was trying to pretend to be the person that they, cause I wanted, I was seeking friends. I wanted to be the person they wanted to be friends with, but behind closed doors, I have a whole chapter about double identity um, or having two identities where out in public, I was a binge drinker. I was a huge flirt. Um, I was a down for anything girl, but behind closed doors, I just wanted to spend time with Jesus and be my authentic self that he created me to be. And that's why I was drawing the wrong people into my life because I was not fronting my actual like heart, you know, like myself within my heart type thing. And yeah, that was a huge, like, Oh, snap moment for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, you know, what you said about not like saying goodbye to those friends, like just because you aren't friends with someone anymore, doesn't mean you have to be enemies. And that's something I struggled with really hard was if you decide not to be friends with somebody, that doesn't mean you just like, you hate them. And, you know, you look like you're, you're racking up your enemies as you, as you decide that it's just, these people aren't the best for you. You can still pray for them. I pray it's hard, like hard, hard. I pray for the people who have hurt me the worst. Like there is a girl that one of my best friends is still friends with. And I can't even tell you like the damage that she did to my heart. Um, but I still, I still pray for her 
like whatever she's going through and everything. It's like I said, want you to eat, just not at my table, you know, that sort of thing. Praying for your like quote enemies is, is really difficult, but it's, it's huge to our healing from those toxic friendships. Totally. It's so powerful actually, because Mm -hmm. in those moments where you're like, I kind of like, this is my flesh speaking, but I kind of hate that person. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, the hardest thing to do is to say, no, I actually love them because God created them and God Mm -hmm. loves them. And so even if I don't agree with them, or if I don't want to really have anything to do with them personally, like I do still genuinely love them. And for me, it's been a lot of like, Lord, just reveal the truth to them because a lot of the like issues that I've had in my friendships, even over just the last handful of years have been really just a misunderstanding in my opinion of, um, kind of the, the standards that I'm holding myself and my friends to now. And Mm -hmm. we might disagree on things. I can be friends with people I disagree with. I can't have active, close friendships with people who just adamantly oppose the things that I stand for. It was like disrespectful too. I dealt with a lot of like disrespect um, toward my faith with my friendships, because again, none of them knew I was a Christian because that wasn't something I, you know, put in the forefront of my life, because at the time I was just sort of doing it like Bible study and praying behind closed doors. Um, and then I realized how badly my life was being affected by friendships that weren't godly. And obviously we can be friends with people who have yet to declare Jesus as their savior for sure. Like you are, you become that seed and you become the person they can go to. I've had tons of friends over the years who are definitely not Christian come to me and ask me questions about God, whether, you know, whether they went somewhere with that, that's, that's on God's time, but just being that person that they go to for answers or like, Hey, I don't really pray, but can you pray for me? Of course, you know, like that kind of thing that sets them up for a future that we don't, we can't even understand because it's, it's a part of God's ultimate plan. Yeah, absolutely. And I love what you said about just modeling after Jesus, because Mm -hmm. something that I like to always kind of remind myself is like, yeah, Jesus had his twelve but he actually had his three, right? Mm-hmm. Like he had Peter James. Yeah. And like, at the end of the day, like we have acquaintances, we have people that we rub shoulders with and do life with, but there, there needs to be a core. We call them at my church, big godly people. There needs to be a core of big godly people in your life that you can trust with the hard stuff and the messy stuff. Who's not going to turn around and gossip about you. Who's not going to yeah. even judge you for telling them that, but is just going to love you through it. And pray for you and come alongside of you in your struggle because yeah we all have something for us or for others you know it may be something as taboo as pornography but for some people it's vanity and for others mm-hmm. it's you know these things that are more accepted as your sin um but aren't any yeah. different right they're not to god they're not any different mm-hmm. um and so it is it's so helpful i and i i sound like a broken record if you guys watch every episode, you've heard me say this probably every single time, but it's so important to have community and people, um, that can come alongside you and just spur you on when, you know, life gets tough and you sometimes get in these places where we question, where are you Lord? Sometimes those friends are exactly like little pieces of Jesus in your life to be like, I'm right. Yeah. Here. Like I've got you. 
Uh, There's been a lot of times where my godly friends have been the answers like to my prayers. So if I prayed about something over and over and over again, my friend suddenly opens her mouth and says something very biblical, very scripture based. And I was like, yeah, I think that, I think that's what God would have said had he been here. So, (laughs) or like, if he was here, like in the flesh, like you just embody, like he spoke through you. And I think that's another really important reason why we should have godly friends, because if they're in the Bible and you're in the Bible, you put your heads and your hearts together and you come up with the answer that Jesus would have given you had he been sitting right next to you. Um, So it's like the Holy spirit flows through them into you. And then you can turn around and pour into somebody else as well. Totally love that. Awesome. Well, Shelby, we're going to um, kind of wrap it up. Her book is called The Simple Truth. You can get it on Amazon. Is that right? Yes. Yep. It's uh, ebook and physical copy as well. Okay. Awesome. And it's an easy read, you guys. Um, it's like 150 pages, mm-hmm. um, each section. So she kind of tells her story in these like little chunks. And each section has some like journaling prompts and just some things that like, you don't necessarily have to read it all the way through. You can kind of take your time with it. Um, and just read each little section at a time and then just go to God with the questions that are there on the page and just let him reveal to you how you're feeling about just these different topics like friendship and just our personal identity in Jesus and and just different things like that. So um, I hope everyone grabs it. It was really good. Um, Definitely got me thinking and just helped kind of encourage me personally. Um, and then also just tell everyone where they can find you on social media because, um, they're going to want to follow you. I know. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I am on Instagram. I share Bible studies and like lifestyle tips and just little bits and pieces of my life. It's at Shelby Lynn York. Um, TikTok is kind of where I started. Also, I share Bible studies and little bits of biblical wisdom at Shelby Lynn York. Um, (laughs) and, um, I have a website. It's also in the back of the book. Um, trying to think like what the whole, do you have like a show notes? I can maybe put like the, yeah. okay, I'll put my um, like website. I'll send it to you. I can't like think of it on top of my head. Um, and yeah, I think, I think I'm mostly active on Instagram and TikTok. Definitely TikTok. That is my life. <laughs> nice. I love it. I'm too old for TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> no such thing. TikTok accepts all. <laughs> oh, oh, thank you. Thank you, TikTok. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, that was awesome. Again, thank you so much, Shelby. You guys find The Simple Truth on Amazon. You can download it and read it. You could literally do it in a day if you wanted to. But I would suggest taking each little bit by bit and just, again, letting God reveal what what he's saying to you through it. Um, Last but not least, uh, oh, two things, actually, before we go. One is Life Jesus Style Gear is available at peacelovetshirt.com. You can get this adorable shirt. And it's all like highlightery colors and fun. Um, and this one's really soft. Um, and then the last thing I want to do, and Shelby, you didn't know that I was going to do this. So I hope I'm, I know I'm putting on the spot, but I hope I don't upset you with this. Um, one of the things that Shelby shared at the end of her book is that her and her husband are trying for a baby and that it's been a bit of a challenge. And I know that there are women out there listening right now who have experienced that as well. So before we go, I'm just going to pray over you, Shelby. And, and then the last thing I'll say is if you guys want to join the Christian wives group on Facebook, there's like 10,000 women in there, but Shelby and I are in there. So come check it out. Yes. I also have, I don't know why I didn't think about this. No, I also have a Facebook group. Yeah. Um, yeah. if it's for Christian women, it's called, it's called called to be fearless. <laughs> um, and women of, of any kind can join that as well. I always forget about that one. <laughs> awesome. That'll be great. Let's pray really quick and then we'll wrap it up. 
Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just bring Shelby and her husband, Johnny, to you, Father. I know that, um, as we said before, Lord, you are a good father and you genuinely want to give us the desires of our heart, Lord. As we've talked through all of this, we know that your timing is perfect. And Lord, I just pray for Shelby and Johnny that they continue to lean into you, Lord, and just press into your faithfulness and your promise to them and that they know that everything good comes from you and that it'll happen in the timing that um, is meant for them, Lord, Father, to start their family. I just pray for, sounds weird, but an open womb, Father, and um, Lord, you work out all things together for good for those who love you. And so we just pray in advance and say thank you in advance for the life that you're going to put in Shelby's little belly. And um, for the influence that her awesome Christian parents or his awesome Christian parents will have um, over them in the future, Father. Thank you that you're raising up generations of just godly people and godly children, Father, who want to follow you and seek to do the desires of your will. We lift all of this up in your precious son's name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Awesome. All right. And then I want to hear the baby announcement in like a couple months or whatever. Yes, we are <laughs> hoping and praying for that. I'm on some fertility treatments right now. So I'm I'm really hoping that that's the case for us in the future. But yeah, thank you for that. You're so welcome. All right, Shelby, thank you for your time. I loved having you. You guys go grab the simple truth and I'll see you next time on All My Favorite People. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Please make sure to like and subscribe to this channel and hit the little notification bell so you know every time I post something new. Of course, check out Peace Love t-shirts as well. That's where you can get all of your All My Favorite People merch. And I'd love it if you also left me a review. Thanks for tuning in and I hope to see you next time. I will make your name famous from now on so people will praise you forever and ever. Psalm 45, 17. If you liked today's episode, and want more info, check out lifejesusstyle.com and hashtag lifejesusstyle on social media.